Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We all have broken places and spaces in our lives, in our history. And I'm so grateful for the Lord who can come and change us. He can heal our brokenness. He can also discard those things that, well, don't need to belong in our lives and our hearts any longer. We're in a series called Encounters with Jesus. And today I want to talk about how the Lord comes and has the power to heal our blindness. We've been using as a base scripture, John 1, 1 and 2. And here's what it says. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, the word word is the word logos or logos, depending how you pronounce it. And it simply means life, truth, significance, and meaning. Jesus Christ encounters us, and he brings significance and meaning and life into our lives. I love what it went on to say in John 1.14, that the word became a human and lived among us. We saw his glory, the glory that belongs to the only son of the father, and he was full of grace and truth. Jesus came and lived among us, and he still wants to do that today. He wants to come and take the broken pieces of our life and make something beautiful out of our lives. Because when he encounters us, we never remain the same. The story today is about two men who know all about an encounter with Jesus. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 to 34. As Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. And when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled back at them. But they only shouted even louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them, and he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. And then they followed him. Mark's version of this same story identifies one of these beggars by the name of Bartimaeus. We know him as blind Bartimaeus. The region was was known for producing an ointment that was useful for treating eye defects. So it isn't surprising we find these two men, blind men, along the road begging for money and bread. Under-resourced people on the corner is nothing new for us. We see them at the end of parking lots, outside the front of a store. I remember years ago a guy on 8th Street in Lompoc, and he had a cardboard sign that said, I won't lie, I just need a beer. (laughs) I mean, he was at least being honest. But oftentimes, you'll, you'll hear the cry of their heart, I'm homeless, or I have a need, or I need to feed my kids. And this was what was going on in Jericho. Can you imagine 
what life was like for them, these blind men. They couldn't go out and work. They didn't have what we have today for blind people that allows them to be productive. Uh, there was no Braille. There were no walking canes. There was a, the, the things that we have today for blind people. I can't imagine what it would be like not to have my eyesight. Think about it for just a moment. It's, a, it's tragic. And so these two beggars are most often ignored by people, but not Jesus. See, the contrast between Bartimaeus and his buddy and Jesus is, is significant. Jesus sees everything. Now, we saw a couple of weeks ago that Jesus looked at a man named Nathaniel. Philip invited him to come and see the Lord. There's that word, see. Nathaniel comes and Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel was blown away that Jesus would have known that he was under the fig tree. Quite often, Jesus said things throughout the Gospels. I saw you. I see that. And here, he sees Bartimaeus and his friend. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is the crowd, the crowd, number one. You can write that down if you're a note taker. Jericho was the home of Jesus' ancestor, Rahab. You might remember her story. And was just a day's journey from Jerusalem. The air was filled with excitement about Jesus coming to town. The multitudes were gathering, making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. The crowds are everywhere, and you know this. Wherever Jesus went, he always drew a crowd. Jesus and his entourage were on their way to Jerusalem for what we call Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus as he'd ride on a donkey into town. And people were singing his praises and clamoring just to get a glimpse of his face. The paparazzi were there too. They wanted to catch their glimpse of Jesus. And people who just wanted to hang out with a celebrity wanted their glimpse of Jesus as well. There was a lot more traffic than Bartimaeus was accustomed to and his blind buddy. Luke 18.37 records, when he heard the noise of the crowd, he asked, hey, what's happening? And the Bible says the people told him that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by. Huh. Can you see it in your imagination? The crowd is swelling. Jesus is on his way. These two beggars all of a sudden are told that Jesus is coming And so they start shouting at the top of their voice, louder than the crowd, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And Matthew 20, 31 says, the crowd scolded them and told them to be quiet. Why would they do that? I mean, try to put yourself in this moment. The crowd was filled with enthusiasm as they followed Jesus into the city And they didn't want anything to interrupt their plans or to somehow get in the way of their vantage point of being close to rubbing shoulders with the Savior or at least seeing him with their own eyes. You know, often the Lord works in the interruptions of life. You think of uh, Peter and John. They're going to the temple to pray. It was a time of prayer. And right outside 
the gate called beautiful, we have this lame man who cannot walk. And he's asking for, for alms, for, for something for the, for the poverty of his life. And, and I, I can see him lifting his hand up because he can't stand up. And there's Peter and John. And the Bible says they looked at him. Interesting. There's a lot of looking here, a lot of seeing here in this story. And right there in that moment, they looked at him and was able to discern the need of his life. They were used by God to heal the lame man. Actually, here's what they said. Silver and gold we don't have. What we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they, they, they reach out and they grab his hand and pull him up. See, they were able to pull him up, but only Jesus could make him walk. And that's what Jesus did. What's the point of that story? They were willing to be interrupted as they were going to the house of God to pray. The crowd, on the other hand, was not willing to be interrupted. They didn't want these beggars getting in their way. Maybe they figured the beggars would just keep asking for money and take advantage of Jesus' celebrity status. But whatever their reasons, they rebuked the blind men who were crying out for help. You know, as followers of Jesus, we should never push people away from coming to Christ, but rather we should help direct traffic. We should help people find Jesus. We should bring the Jesus in us to the people around us. Uh, Brennan Manning said the, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus by their lips then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And we know the church has been judged by people all the time for how we live outside the walls of the church. And that's why I always encourage people to do the three eyes, I call it, the three eyes. We invest in people, we invite people, and we include people. We invest in them. We invest in relationships. You can't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, are you a Christian? <laughs> Do you know Christ is your Savior? No. We prepare the ground, the soil of their soul, by how we love. One man plants, one man waters, and God gives the increase. And so we invest, and then we invite. Hey, come and, come and be with me. As we're doing church online, you can invite people to watch with you. As we're now doing church outside at 1045 in our outdoor venue, you can invite people to come with you. And if they're fearful about coming, you could have them come sit in their car on C Street and listen on the FM station 105.5 that our media team's providing. There's lots of ways you can invest and invite. And then here's the last one, include. Where our church will be known for including people rather than excluding people. See, the more we encounter Christ, the more we become Christ-like. And here's what I know about Jesus. He took the time to stop and to listen and to care for blind Bartimaeus and his buddy. If your heart does not ache for others, if your heart is focused on yourself and, 
at what Jesus might do just for you or the place that you live in, then you won't allow others to find Christ through your life and through your ministry. Now, as we've served our schools this last week, it's been very, very uh, clear to us that we make a big difference. Whether servants from LFC were putting together packets to be given out to children as they start their school year or school supplies or the school supplies that we provided for schools, response has been great from those at the different schools that we have been a part of. I I won't share all of the input, but I want to share a piece of an email that I received from one of the principals at one of the schools where we served. And here's what the principal said. We honestly would not have been ready to start the school year without the people from Lompoc Foursquare. Their generosity and kindness is a testament to the goodness and faith that you as the pastor are promoting at Foursquare. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for helping and caring about our students. Wow, that warmed my heart when I received that email. Why not? Because when we find ways to add value to others, not push them away, but include them into our lives and to invest, it makes a world of difference. See, Bartimaeus and his friend didn't let the crowd discourage them. They kept shouting louder and louder to get Jesus' attention, which brings me really to the next point, number two. It's the confession that was made. See, Jericho was one of the wealthier cities of the region, and as a result, it attracted both beggars and robbers. So cries on the street, they're common. Something that went on all the time. But Matthew 20, verse 31 records, although the crowd tried shutting them up, the Bible says they shouted even louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the phrase son of David is, of course, a messianic title. The Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. So what they're doing is acknowledging who Jesus is. Their cry for mercy was a confession of faith in Jesus as the Christ. They're confessing that you're Lord, which is what we're all called to do for salvation. The rebuke of the crowd just served to test their faith. But these men cried out even louder in faith. They made a true confession of faith in who Jesus was in the face of opposition. And what did they ask for? Money? Food? No, Lord, have mercy on us. Now, I studied this phrase, have mercy, and we know that Jesus is going to ask them, what do they want them to do? And, and they're going to say, we want to have sight. But when they said this, have mercy on us, they're putting their trust in the Lord to say, you do whatever you want to do, as long as it flows from your mercy. They were submitting their lives to the lordship of Jesus, saying, have your way in us, Lord. You do whatever you want to do. Other people could offer them money, maybe a little kindness, but they knew that only Jesus could impact them for lasting change in their lives. 
the earnestness of these men is marvelous. They should inspire us. They were declaring in the midst of the crowd, you're the Lord, the son of David. And with their voices, they're worshiping the Lord, making a radical difference in those who would hear them. At first, no doubt, they were thought to be just an irritant, an interruption. But no doubt, some heard them declare who this Jesus was. And they come to confess their reality. They don't deny it. Their brokenness was that, well, they were blind and needed to see. But despite their blindness, these beggars could could see clearly enough to recognize Jesus for who he really is. And they had the insight to know that Jesus was the one that they needed to turn to in their desperation. The third thing is so important, and it's Jesus' compassion. See, Jesus does several things for these two men that he still does for us today. Let me kind of highlight them. The first thing is that Jesus stops and stands still. In the middle of his busy agenda, in the middle of what he's about to get into with the Passover and with the triumphal entry just around the corner, he stops and he stands still. Is there a lesson there for us? in all of our busyness, to stop or, let me use this word, to pause and just to be still for a moment. I believe it's in those moments where the Holy Spirit can give us the gift of discernment. What do I need to do right here, right now? How do I need to engage those that are around me right in this moment? It's Matthew 20, verse 32. It says, when Jesus heard them, he stopped. He stopped. I thought about the moment of silence there, the stopping, the pausing, and uh, I went to the book of Revelation. Now, it's kind of interesting that Revelation 8, 1, and 4 is on the heels of Revelation chapter 7. You see, in chapter 7, we have the, the, the chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord that the angels are doing. We have those in, in white robes that are worshiping the Lord and the voice of God himself that sounds like a mighty trumpet. I mean, it's loud. The decibel level is off the charts. But in chapter 8, something happens. It says, suddenly there was <clears throat> silence throughout all of heaven for what seemed like half an hour. Now, it's interesting that John would know because he's writing this from the island of Patmos he would know what time is because, see, heaven has no time and, and no space. There's no watch in heaven. In other words, you preach as long as you want in heaven. <clears throat> Nobody's counting the time. But here's what it said. Silence for about 30 minutes. <laughs> Another angel with gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with, uh, what's it say? with the, the, the prayers of God's people. I believe it was the prayer of God's people along with these offerings that were being given to the Lord that caused heaven to be silent. Isn't it interesting that when we cry out to Jesus, all of heaven hears. All of heaven is paying attention. 
All of heaven hears when we cry out to Jesus. And it's almost as if God says, shh, my people are praying. (laughs) He loves to hear our prayers. This great physician, this one who is the cure, he loves encountering people like these blind men. People that are willing to confess their spiritual need and their spiritual blindness and say, Lord, have mercy. In other words, do whatever you want to do with the condition that we have. The second thing is that Jesus responded. He responded. He didn't just sit there and stand there and listen. He responds. Matthew 20, verse 32 says, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Have you ever been puzzled by this question? Obviously, Bartimaeus, or blind Bartimaeus, is blind, and so is his buddy. And yet Jesus would ask, what do you want me to do? Pretty obvious, Lord. But I think there's a lesson here for us. Jesus wants them to confess their need. All through Scripture, we're told to make our requests to God, known to God. There's something very powerful and very positive about us confessing our need before the Lord and praying to God and having God hear us articulate what it is we need. Sometimes the the obvious we see in a person is not really what they need, Jesus to do for them. So Jesus invites them and invites us to tell him what we want. The next thing we see Jesus doing is, it's the third part of this, is he had compassion on them. Matthew 20, verse 34. Again, in the midst of the crowd, in all the noise and everything going on, Jesus stops and he listens and he engages them by saying, What is it you need me to do for you? And then his compassion comes out. The word compassion originally indicating the moving of an inner part of your body. Uh, It's the old Greek word splagizomai, and it really means your innermost being. That you'd be moved with compassion. Just like your stomach does its work and the digestive system does its work, and there's a movement, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But John would use that that same word, and Matthew would use that same word, this compassion of Jesus, splagizomai, from his innermost being. In other words, it's an involuntary, involuntary response to something that's going on on the outside. And the minute they said, we need healing, the minute they said, we need you, have mercy on us, Lord. Jesus began to do what he does, and for you and for me, as we encounter him, to move with compassion upon our lives. Listen, whatever you're facing today, whatever concerns you have about your tomorrows, whatever concerns you have about the future of America, your job, your personal economy, Jesus is moved with compassion and has the ability to take care of us. We live in a hurting world. You know, last year, 2019, over 3 billion Tylenol were sold. Just think about that. 3 billion with a B. That's a lot of headaches. And Jesus knows every headache. Last year, there were 700. 
182,038 divorces in the United States of America. There's two little things, headache and, and divorce. And some of those divorces were a headache for sure. But Jesus knows every heartache, not just headache. And he knows and he cares and he's moved with compassion for you, which leads me to the fourth part of this. Jesus touched their need. He touched their need. It says in Matthew 20, verse 34, he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Jesus could have healed them from a distance. He could have spoken a word, be healed, and walked away. But there's something very significant how Jesus stops, how he discerns, how he has compassion, and then how he touches their eyes. I don't know the story of Bartimaeus and his buddy. No doubt they needed the attention of the Lord. They needed his touch. Can I remind you today that even though tangibly Jesus can't touch us, he's still touching us. Encounters with Jesus will change us like never before. I can't think of a single person in Scripture that was touched by Jesus and remained unchanged. Now, as we get ready to finish, Bartimaeus and his buddy were blind beggars looking for handouts on a dry and dusty street in Jericho. What they were looking for, that's not what they left with. Because they meet Jesus, and after this encounter with him, they would never be the same. Not only did Jesus restore their sight, he gave them, John 1.1, he gave them purpose, meaning, significance to their lives. That's what he does. And the Bible says that immediately they got up and they followed him. I'd like to believe they didn't just follow him into town. But they followed him for the rest of their lives. They followed the way, the truth, and the life. And I'd like to believe they followed him all the way into eternal life. Did they see that day? Absolutely. Do they see now? Absolutely. The Lord wants to touch your heart and your life. What if Jesus were standing right next to me? looking into the camera? What if Jesus was standing right next to you, wherever you are watching this? And what if he leaned down and said, what do you need for me to do for you? What do you need from me? What would your answer be to Jesus today? What do you need? I doubt any of us would have a trivial, trite little answer. I think we would respond from the depth of our heart. Jesus, I need an encounter with you. For some of you, it might be salvation. You've never given your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. You could do that even now. For some of you, it may be deeper. There may be the broken pieces of your life that he needs to put back together. For some of you, it may be an emotional hurt. For some of you, it may be something in the past that you did that you still can't forgive yourself for even though God has forgiven you. The list is lengthy. But dear ones, before I close in prayer, 
I want you to answer that question. As though Jesus was asking you, what do you need me to do for you? And then to have the boldness to tell him. Now, sometimes when we are asked a question like this, we think of, well, what will someone else say? And, you know, my past is, and my current situation is, or this pandemic is. And you could get bombarded by the message of the crowd. Shh, be quiet. Don't ask. But I want to pastor you in this moment and give you permission to ask the Lord, what do you need from him? Go ahead and ask him. Ask him to touch. Ask him to heal. Ask him to to do a miracle for you. God is amazing. His son Jesus is standing by you by the power of the Holy Spirit to help you right now in this season. Let's pray. Lord, we bring our request to you right now. As if you're standing right here, what do you need me to do for you, says Jesus? And would you respond to him? Would you be bold enough to just say, Jesus, this is what I need from you? This is how I need you to minister in my family right now, in my my marriage, in my singleness, in, in my job or my need for a job. This is what I need for you to do. Don't you dare let the voice of the crowd tell you to stop. You go for it. And let Jesus Christ change you from the inside out because everyone he encounters is changed. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to confess him as Lord. The, 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 The blind men did that. Son of David, you're the Lord. Would you confess him as the one who died on the cross, our Savior, our Lord, and as the one who rose again from the dead? That's salvation. And if you want to give your life to Christ today, we encourage you to make that confession to him. And you could text us and let us know, Decide Jesus, all one word, to 555-888, Decide Jesus, 555-888. We'll respond to you. We'll, we'll keep your, your number sacred, don't worry. But we want to encourage you and celebrate with you. Lord, help us to never deny your question. When you say, what do you need me to do for you? Help us never to not come to you with our needs and our requests, for you are there for us. And Lord, no one, No situation is too insignificant for you. These two beggars were told, stop begging. Stop crying out. And yet, God, thank you for their faith and their tenacity that went forward where they simply said, we will cry out to Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Their voices got even louder. May our voices get louder. May we be filled with faith. May we come to you always with all our requests. Thank you that as you encounter us, we are changed. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. Hey, may God richly bless you. Uh, If you want to uh, come and be a part of our outdoor venue, that's happening next Sunday again. 
I really invite you to be a part of it. And I encourage you, we're going to have Tommy and Eileen Walker. You've heard about it. They're going to be with us doing our worship for us at 8, 9, 15, and then 1045 live in our outdoor venue. I encourage you, you can go to mylefc.com and figure out right there how to reserve your spot. Uh, reservations are open this morning at 8 a.m. It's there for you. I'll also be here Tuesday night at 6 p.m. for our next installment, the Book of Psalms. Until then, let the Lord change you as you encounter him. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.